Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his life. Three days after the cross, he rose from the dead. And this is Easter Sunday, but most importantly, it's Resurrection Sunday. Old church timer, old, old timers at church know this, so I'm going to teach you something. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Historically, the church in the first few hundred years would walk around and say that to one another. Another word that they would echo many times was Maranatha. I've been in church long enough to know that in the 80s, there was a movement of Christian worship music from a company called Maranatha. Because he lives, we can have an opportunity for eternal life. Because he lives, a man almost 100 years ago came to this city, to Charlotte, and started a church. He started a church, and just a few years after he started that church, he died. His wife took over the ministry. The church grew to be thousands of people, and lives were changed. People were healed. Demons were cast out. Pentecost had come to Charlotte. This is our heritage because he lives. Because he lives, the preacher that's standing before you today is doing what he's doing. My own story, I had a journey where two years I left the ministry and drove a Pepsi truck. That's right. I was a Coke man before I worked for Pepsi and I got free products, so I became a Pepsi man. I'm sure you understand. And along with it, my family followed. As for me and my house, we drank Pepsi. I found myself being in ministry and then being out of ministry and feeling like I would never go back into ministry because I didn't know if I was capable anymore. But because he lives. <laughs> because he lives, three years ago, I laid in a hospital bed feeling like death was around the corner. But 45 days after I went to the hospital, I sat on a stool right here and shared my testimony because he lives. I live today. Because he lives, my marriage is strong. Not because of me for sure, but because he lives. Because he lives, I have three children that are serving the Lord with all of their heart. Because he lives, my daughter is leading a ministry here at the church. Because he lives, my son. Told me just the other day that he felt God was calling him to be an evangelist. Because he lives, my daughter, my youngest daughter, is getting ready to graduate from Wingate, has had 
young adult journeys and ups and downs, but has the joy of the Lord all over her today because he lives. Because he lives, my wife, the backbone of my own ministry for many a years is engaged in every area of the church ministry now. And because he lives, greater life is far from being done with what God's called us to do. Because he lives, you can experience the presence of the living God today. Because he lives, there are people being baptized in the building just behind us right now in our Espanol service right now. Because he lives, there are there's a campus in Waxhaw, there's a campus in East Charlotte, there's a campus in Locust, and people are being saved and set free. Because he lives, there is now three churches in India and in Nepal that are seeing people saved and baptized and set free. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, my sin is gone. And because he lives, you can also experience the love of Jesus. Lord, it certainly is a special day, but every Sunday <laughs> we experience your goodness in this place. Today, oh God, I ask that our hearts would be softened to the word, that we would lean in to receive from you. Lord, do what only you can do, something eternal. Help me to be used simply as an instrument, a pass-through for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. John chapter 20, today's message is titled, The Promise of the Resurrection. John chapter 20, we see the story of the resurrection Every religion on the earth today claims to be a way to find fulfillment, to find God, to find purpose. However, there is a difference between every other religion and following Jesus. Notice I didn't say, and our religion, because Jesus came against the religious leaders of his day because they made it more about what you do and less about what God does. Today, we can have a relationship with Jesus because of who Jesus is and because he lives. None of us in the room today can ever be good enough. Don't fool yourself. We are in desperate need of a savior. All of us find ourselves at different seasons of life, different stages of our quote unquote journey on this earth which the Bible says is just a mist here today and gone tomorrow. The single and sole purpose of this preacher is to share with you the urgency of salvation. That what you decide in this life in a single moment can change all of eternity for each and every one of you. You can visit the tombs of Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, 
You can go to the tomb of Stalin, which in and of itself, communists becoming a religion. You can visit these leaders and these quote-unquote gods. One of the most exciting things that I'm hearing out of India from our ministries there is that people are being saved and abandoning the Hindu religion. Hundreds of gods within that religion, they are saying yes to one, the only one that can save them, and his name is Jesus. If you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ today, you'll find it empty and barren. Why? Because he lives. He no longer is in the tomb, the Bible tells us, is that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, praying for you and me. Because he lives, he was able to send the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to comfort us, to give us power to walk this Christian life. It is pride to say that you can serve Jesus without the help of the Holy Spirit. None of us can do it alone. Because he lives, depression and anxiety have a check on it. Loneliness can be something in our past. Because he lives, we can have deep fellowship with the Lord God Almighty, who in the Old Testament was kept keeping us at a distance for fear of judgment and even death, because the unholy cannot be in the presence of the holy. And so the holiest of all the holy, Jesus Christ, perfect, made, made man, fully God and fully man, died upon a cross, and his blood covers us in the presence of the Father because he lives. Because he lives, we can look at this story in John chapter 20 and find out how people reacted. And I, would, I believe that each and every one of you in here today will see yourself in this story. Yesterday, Saturday, often referred to as Silent Saturday, I tried to consider what it must have been like. How sad, how confusing. See, we stand on the other side of the story where we know Jesus is going to rise on Sunday, <laughs> but his followers didn't know. He was dead just dead. They didn't know he was coming back to life. They thought that the power and the, and the son and the rabbi, this, their teacher, their savior was gone forever. And they were sadly trying to find what's next. Notice that all of the disciples had abandoned their livelihood, their careers, their jobs to follow Jesus. And now he was dead. I believe that our first example, Peter and John in verse one of chapter 20, might resonate with some of us. Peter and John, some of the first disciples called by Jesus, they had been with him since the beginning. In verse one, it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. 
So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying, back home. A couple of things. I I want you to see, first of all, the humanity in the Word of God. You see, the Word of God, I believe, is inerrant. Without error, it is infallible. It is inspired. It is the very Word of God. Yet, God used people, inspired people, to write it. We could see that because their personalities are in the Scriptures. John, the author of the book, shows us that in a couple of ways. First of all, he says that Mary, who saw what had happened, went and told Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. It reminds me of a t-shirt that I had for a while that no longer fits me, and I'm gonna say it was because we washed it too much. <laughs> and it said, Jesus, uh, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. But John, but John is writing in, uh, yeah, Mary went and got Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved. And then he goes even further and he says they started running, but the other disciple, back to himself, just so everybody knows, outran Peter. And if I might have been narrating the story, blew Peter and left him in the dust, blew by him. And as he got there, the thing that most resonates with me is is how Mary went to the tomb first and made a U-turn and went and got the disciples because she didn't know what to do because this rock was the size of a car and it had been sealed with a special, uh, a special glue to make sure that no one could tamper with it. And by the way, there were soldiers posted at the tomb. Where did they go? Well, I'll tell you where they went. When Jesus rose, we read in some of the other gospels that they fell over like dead men and they ran. They were gone. So by the time Mary got there, Jesus already being fully alive, and Peter and John, they see this happen. They go into the tomb, and the Bible says that John and Peter, as they go in, they now believe. But what did they believe? Because then it follows up with they didn't understand he was coming back to life. You know, they believed that the tomb was empty. But they had not concluded yet that it was because he was alive. 
Which leads us to the conclusion that what they did next kind of makes sense. They just went back home. Well, nothing we can do. I've done all I could do. They go in, the, they're, they're criminals, by the way, because Jesus was taken and killed by the Romans and they were in hiding and they don't want to petition or protest or do something out of line because they themselves are under the threat of death. But Peter and John's mistake, to me, was found in verse 10 when it says they went back to where they were staying. They quickly turned around and went home. The mistake is that they left too soon. And that when they left, they still believed that Jesus was dead. They had already been grappling with this reality over the weekend and now they had seen the tomb empty and realizing Jesus or feeling, believing that Jesus was still dead. They went home, heads down, even more depressed. And their mistake was they gave up too soon. They left too early because if they would have just hung on. Have you ever felt or have you ever experienced that you missed out on something? An event, a party, a dinner, or something that had happened in your life you had been invited to, to and for whatever reason you just weren't able to make it or chose not to attend and on the backside of it you had to hear how great it was. And so immediately think, oh man, I missed it. I should have stayed. Hey, right after you left, this happened. Oh, how could I miss that? Because describing it isn't like being there. <laughs> Which brings us to the next thing of our uh, thing we're gonna talk about today is Mary's miracle. If they would have just stayed, they would have experienced this. Verse 11, Mary was now standing outside of the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead and to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord and she told them that he had said these things to her. Guys, I want you to understand something just as soon as Peter and John walk away, Mary, distraught, looks in the tomb and sees 
firsthand account, the only one who saw Jesus first. Now, it's compelling by itself to see Jesus as he's resurrected, but Mary, for whatever reason, God allowed Mary to see Jesus first. I have some theories, but the thing that speaks most to me is the fact that Mary stayed. She didn't give up. She didn't walk away with her head down there. Something within her knew that this couldn't be the end. Not only that, Mary, as we find in another passage of Scripture, Mary Magdalene, was possessed by seven demons whom which Jesus cast out. We have a saying nowadays, people kind of call their addictions or their vices, they call them demons. But can I just remind you that we live in a physical world, but there's a spiritual realm that's very real. Demons are real. The devil is real. She found herself freed by these things in her life from the power of Jesus Christ, and then they killed him. I wonder for a moment if she thought, if Jesus is dead, is the power also dead that set me free? I wonder if she was so distraught, not just because she missed her friend, her teacher, her leader, but she felt that, oh God, the addiction, the depression, the vices, the bondage, the chains, they're going to flood back into my life and I can't do anything about it because the power that set me free is dead. And then she sees the gardener. She doesn't recognize him. And she didn't recognize him until when? He called her by name. <laughs> There's a song I love to sing in my own private time. He knows my name. He knows my name. He knows your name. He knows what you're facing. And if he could just call you by name, I wonder if you're listening today. That was Mary's miracle. See, Mary went and saw the tomb, went back and got the disciples, and then went back to the tomb, and then went back and told the disciples again. So I imagine that Mary probably got her steps in on that day. We find now the disciples, leaders, of the man who would change history, Jesus Christ. You would think that these people would be bold and courageous. We find them in verse 19, the disciples meeting. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors for fear that the Jewish leaders, for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Friends, 
these courageous, bold leaders were locked in a room, terrified, scared, fearful. The last time Jesus saw most of them, except one, there was only one that stayed at the cross. The last time Jesus saw them was in the Garden of Gethsemane when they took Jesus into captivity to lead him away to die. And the last thing that Jesus saw of his disciples was their backs as they ran. And they knew that. You see, they were locked in a room because they believed, they thought Jesus was dead. Mary had already come back and said, guys, he's alive. And they still are locked in this room cowering in fear. And then something happens. I, I like to consider, if I can for just a moment, that we have all experienced time where time goes by really slowly or time go, goes by really fast, right? So early in the morning, all of this happened with Mary and she meets Jesus and sees him and he's alive and she goes back and probably still mourning by the time she tells the other disciples, hey guys, Jesus is alive. He said, wait. You know, he's going to go to the Father, and then, and then he's going to come see us. And can you imagine that they're waiting and waiting what feels like an eternity? Hours go by because the Bible says it wasn't until evening that Jesus showed up. <laughs> so they begin to have conversations, I imagine, and they start saying, Mary, oh, come on now, Mary, what did he say? Did you really see Jesus? Are you sure? Peter and John are there. Well, we saw the empty tomb, but we didn't see Jesus, you know. We, we, we are not sure that she's saying things correctly. I, I don't know. I imagine that they began to even doubt in that moment, so much so that we're gonna meet someone that left a little too early because doubt got in the way. So Jesus saw them running away in fear, and you would think that this would be a perfect opportunity for Jesus to rebuke them to appear among them and say, all y'all, all y'all need to grow a backbone. Here I am getting dragged away and you're running away and you're running away and you're, you were really running away and you didn't even care. You were falling and y'all were crying. I'm dying for y'all here. But he wasn't angry with them. <laughs> the first words he said were what? Peace, be still. Can you put yourself in the room for just a moment knowing that you have disappointed someone? I know that everybody can relate to disappointing someone. And then you haven't seen them for a while and then the next time you see them, you feel like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> but Jesus appears in a locked room, which means that his body wasn't like our bodies anymore. His a glorified body. He appears, peace be with you. Joy fills the room and then he gives them, he breathes on them and, and, and seals them with the Holy Spirit in that moment. But there was one guy who slid out. He went down to the corner store to get a pickled egg and a Dr. Pepper. If that keeps you from thinking about lunch, I don't know what else will. <laughs> Gracious sakes. I'm having a hard time moving on myself right now. All right. 
You know, I used to get pickled eggs off the ice cream truck. My kids would go out there and get ice cream and I'd get a pickled egg. I'm telling you, there's something about them. <laughs> Thomas's misgiving, verse 24. You know, complete transparency. You may not notice this, but all of these start with an M and I already used mistake, so I had to put Thomas's misgiving in there. Preacher trick. Synonyms. All right. Verse 24. Thomas is down the road getting something, so he misses out on this completely. And verse 24 says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means twin, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. What? What? He missed it. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hands into his side, I will not believe. Now, it's not written in the text, but I picture a word there that right after he says that, somebody in the corner of the room goes, gross. Thomas is like, I need to touch the, the holes in his hands and the weird Thomas. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them and though the doors were locked, same thing, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach your hand out and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, listen to this verse. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Hmm. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back because this last thing we're talking about today is our moment. Our moment. Thomas's misgiving was not just he missed a good part of the meeting, the most amazing thing that had ever happened in all of history but it was the fact that he continued to doubt. He continued to doubt until he could see it himself. And can I tell you that that is the weakest argument for anything. It can be dispelled in a moment. What about the wind? You don't see the wind. What about gravity? You don't see gravity, but jump off of this stage and you're probably gonna pull, you know, an ACL or something. I know. It, it's not a good argument. Can I tell you? I can't see what these words say and now I can. <laughs> Who are we to say unless I see it. Well, Thomas said it, but Jesus again didn't come in rebuking him. Thomas, you idiot, here I am. I mean, that would have been a more like me response. Really? But he said, peace be with you. Look, you see, here's the thing guys. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ embraced the cross because he loves you so much.
and comes to you and says, peace be still, peace be with you. I will give you peace. He doesn't yell and scream and judge, at least not in this life. That comes after this life. And the Bible tells us very clearly that everyone, everyone will be brought before the throne. Our moment is this. In verse 30, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. In my own life, I believe I've been in three car accidents in early teenagehood. My poor mother, the insurance company, canceled their insurance because of me, or at least that's what I'm told. I was given a punishment car 1981 Honda Civic hatchback with a 1.3 liter engine. I put a lightning bolt on the back and I called it the Birdmobile. I worked at a summer camp and that poor car would not make it up the hills. I say all that to say those car accidents, at least on two occasions, I walked away on all occasions, but on two, the paramedics would pull me aside and say, you shouldn't be alive right now. I need to admit to you that I was driving stupid, like an idiot. I, was, I wasn't texting, there were no phones then, but the radio was really important to me. I had a pullout radio with a handle. But God protected me, protected me then, protects me now because he lives. And even overlooked my stupidity and my mistakes, why? Because he is good. And even when I am not, he is. Today, our moment is simple. Choose him or not. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. I'm gonna have the prayer team come. We're just gonna go back into worship for just a moment. And I'm done early to give us time for this. But hear me, hear me now. Salvation is a choice. You choose to believe. Peter and John went and saw the empty tomb but didn't experience Jesus until later. Mary Magdalene saw Jesus, the first one. Thomas doubted. And Jesus showed up again and said, peace be with you, here I am. I don't know who you are today. Maybe you're Peter and John. You've tried this thing before and you've given up on it, walked away. Can I tell you, you're missing it. You're missing it. 
you're here and you're alive, that's because God has a purpose for your life. You might be Mary. You might have had a journey in your life where the Lord has set you free. There's something within you that feels like, my goodness, I can't stay free. Listen, the power of the name of Jesus can set and keep you free. You might be like the disciples. Your faith is something you do in your private time. It's something just between you and God. Can I tell you that that's not the gospel? People need to know and see the fruit of the life change that Jesus has done in your life. Today, I really hope and pray that everybody in here understands who Jesus is. I hope and pray that the words that I've spoken have not confused the matter. But you know that God became man in the form of Jesus Christ, put on flesh, died on a cross, suffered, and rose from the dead. And because of all of that, you can decide to follow him. Not just to get saved by him. Jesus didn't come just to save you from a penalty of sin. He came to give life more abundantly. He wants you to have a greater life. He wants you to be used mightily of the Lord. He wants you to do great things for the kingdom of God. It's not enough to say, Jesus, just save me from hell. I'm good. No, save me from hell and make me an agent for the kingdom of God. Help me to do something to destroy the enemy. That's what he came for. He will empower you to do that by the power of his spirit. We're going to open the altars for prayer. There's a card that the prayer team has. It's just like this. If you're deciding to follow Christ today, there's a little box at the top that says, I've made a decision to follow Jesus, to become a Christian. Put your name down, put your address down, drop it at the info center, give it back to the prayer team member, any, any way you wanna do it. I wanna, I wanna mail you something that will help you. Yes, there is still mail. And I wanna mail you something physically. I would like to put something in your hands that will help you. Because this is not about a one-off type of thing. We wanna walk with you. We also wanna open the altars for those struggling with sickness, got cancer in your body, you've got an addiction that you can't break. These altars are open for all of those things. So as we worship, Jesus said this, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. In the moment of the cross, he was lifted up. And in the moment of this Sunday morning service, he's lifted up. And I believe that when he is lifted up, he will draw you unto him. If you have a need that you'd like prayer for, I'm gonna pray, we're gonna sing, and the altar team's ready to receive you. Lord Jesus, have your way. Right now, soften our hearts. Use us. Use us, Lord, in great ways, God, as, as you would stir people even now to come forward and to pray a prayer of faith for believing upon you, for healing, whatever the case may be. God, do great and mighty things over these next few moments in our time.
together. In Jesus' name, amen. Come forward right now. Let's sing. Everybody stand.
Friends, the scripture teaches us, 1 Corinthians 12, about spiritual gifts that come directly from the Holy Spirit. And what you just witnessed is a gift called tongues and interpretation. Comes from the Holy Spirit. One gives a message in tongues and the other interprets that tongue. The Bible says that this is a gift used to encourage the body. I, for one, am encouraged by that message. Amen. 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 So, Lord, we thank you for the message that encourages us today, that reminds us today that not only are you alive, but you are worthy of our praise and our worship. Help us, God. Bring us back to life. Help us to walk in that fullness of life. God, may fear be dispelled in Jesus' name. 
out of each and every heart in this room today. Lord, it is your desire according to the word that all would be saved. And I pray, I declare in Jesus' name that there would be clarity in mind, that the lies of the enemy would be completely cast off and we would embrace the love of Jesus that says, peace be with you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that in spite of who we are, you still love us. We love you, Jesus. Can we just do brought you back to life one more time, guys? Hallelujah. I'm thankful that we don't have to cower in the corner or in a hidden room somewhere. Make us bold. Make us ready to share this faith. Make today not be a unique Sunday because we've all come at the same time and worship. May, may this be the beginning of revival in the land. May you stir our hearts even as we live this life and we leave this place. God, remind us, call us, draw us unto yourself. Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us. Now, thank you. Thank you for all you've done. <laughs> and I'm thankful for all you're going to do. Now, go with us in power. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you.